Dirty moderates, the Supreme Court, this particular Supreme Court, obviously has been the subject of great controversy for a variety of reasons. Um, as I mentioned in a previous episode, the Dobbs decision overturning um, Roe v. Wade and Planned Parenthood versus Casey, I think forever stained them uh, for a number of reasons. Um, but the same court, or part of the same court at least, has also done some very good things. Bostock versus Clayton County was the 2020 decision authored by Neil Gorsuch, which said that you cannot discriminate in employment against gay and transgender people um, because it's violation of the Civil Rights Act of 1964. Um, I happen to, as you all know, agree with uh, several of the decisions that have been handed down this term, um, as I spoke about, uh, affirmative action, certainly independent state legislature theory was fabulous, uh, basically negating everything that Trump had used to try to overturn the election in court. They got rid of that, saying that state legislatures can't just decide things without a responsible judiciary. There was that student loan forgiveness, whether you agree with it or not, the president doesn't have the authority, does not have the authority to do it by executive order, et cetera, et cetera. But there was a stunning decision. And when people are still railing and angry um, about the affirmative action decision, they must understand that everything is not, as I said uh, recently, everything is not bad faith. Okay. The letter and the spirit of the law still can be applied. I think our judiciary system has been a great bulwark, mainly in the Trump era and uh, stopping some of the worst stuff. And the courts surprise you. Republicans have a history, even Donald Trump, of appointing people who never thought Neil Gorsuch would write such a pro-LGBT opinion. Anthony Kennedy, who wrote the gay marriage opinion, Abba Bergefell, was appointed by Ronald Reagan um, under the famously uh, the uh, Warren Court, Earl Warren, who was governor of California, appointed by Dwight Eisenhower was the author of uh, uh, Brown versus Board of Education, 1954 seminal case overturning the separate but equal Plessy versus Ferguson disaster of 1896. So courts are complicated. There's many other examples, obviously. Uh, a stunning decision was handed down, a 5-4 decision, though, unbelievable, just this term in case you missed it. And it ruled, this court ruled that Alabama's redistricting, redistricting process had illegally diluted the power of black voters. Yep. The Roberts court did that. He, Roberts wrote the majority opinion. Uh, Roberts, who uh, has certainly on row, um, did not help, although he didn't write the opinion. He didn't He didn't join the minority opinion. Um, he wrote, unfortunately, the Shelby Counter versus Holder voting rights case, famous 2013 case, which uh, gutted preclearance requirements for southern states, which had to adhere to certain regulations before changing their voting laws. And he gutted that, saying that the voting rights regulations were a thing of the past. It's also a stain on the court. Well, this week he saw the virtue of the Voting Rights Act, which is exactly what he did in this case, preserving Section 2. Okay? Section 2, he was joined by uh, the court's three liberal justices and even Brett Kavanaugh, who wrote a separate concurrent, concurrence. Of course, a slash and burn dissent by Clarence Thomas, uh, idiotic as always and full of rage, um, uh, was offered up, but that's nonetheless. Anyway, um, this decision has great implications for illegal uh, voting laws, violations of the Voting Rights Act, the gerrymandering that's been going on, the idea being that Alabama is over a quarter black and there were six districts and only one 
was black. They put all the black voters in one district and then have five white districts. Hey, this now is getting rid of that. It means that there will be in several Southern states, um, a whole new way of looking at, um, what it means to be able to vote fairly as a group. Okay. Uh, Alabama actually had seven congressional districts and now it means that with this law that black voters will have two, which means that would be two, theoretically, more Democratic seats in the House. There was previously one. Okay? Sec what is Section 2 that Roberts used to uphold um, two lower court rulings which said that Alabama can't discriminate? Well, Section 2 of the Voting Rights Act, originally the original Voting Rights Act was passed in 1965. It, with the Civil Rights Act of 64, is the crown, one of three crown jewels of the civil rights laws of the 60s. Civil Rights Act of 64, uh, which banned segregation and public housing, employment everywhere. Voting Rights Act, which finally made good um, on the 15th Amendment. I'll get to that in a second. And the Fair Housing Act of 1968, which said no more discrimination in housing, renting, all that stuff, loans, mortgages. Okay. Section two of the Voting Rights Act essentially repeats but fulfills a promise that was made in the 15th Amendment. Okay. That amendment prevented the infringement of the right to vote based on, quote, race, color, or previous condition of servitude. Now, we all know that the Civil War happens, and afterward, there's a period of reconstruction where it looks like four million freed slaves would finally be called freedmen as they were called, and would enjoy uh, the fruits of American life. As a matter of fact, in those 15 years or so, 12, 15 years, blacks were elected to Congress, um, and there seemed to be advancements until um, the troops were pulled out of the South and the Knights of the Ku Klux Klan rose and reaction, et cetera, much like a period where we're in now, where white nationalism reared its ugly head and basically made a lot of the gains of Reconstruction uh, null and void. Now, the Voting Rights Act came along in 1965, so we're talking like 90 years later, to actually give the 15th Amendment teeth, right? Which basically meant that we have to have a statute that enfranchises black voters in this country, okay? Um, Section 2 got amended in 1982, um, and the question then was, uh, you know, how do we allow people of color not just to vote, but have an effective vote? Meaning, how can they aggregate their votes together and elect candidates of their choice? It's not as simple as, hey, they can go vote. How can they have actual voting power, power to make decisions on who represents them and their values and, 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 and their livelihoods? Okay. And Section 2 has been consistently applied to redistricting claims at the local, state, and federal level. Okay, and it's been very effective uh, in its history uh, in helping not just black communities, but Latino, Asian, Native American communities be able to vote together to get candidates of their choice. Okay, um, so it's a very, very, very important civil rights law. Okay, um, what Alabama was trying to do would have completely undermined the virtues of Section 2. And like basically said that Section 2 isn't an anti-discrimination statute. They were basically saying that like, oh, it shouldn't be applied. It's not constitutional, right? Because they have what's called a race-blind baseline, quote-unquote. Now, we all know, folks, what that means. That's bullshit, okay? That's their way of saying, oh, well, you know, we got to be colorblind. But hey, here are seven congressional districts and only one is black, and that tells you everything you need to do, right? We've got it. No. No, 
what Alabama said was, oh, we don't need to consider race when drawing a district um, because we're going to come up with like a computer program. They have this they do these simulations. I know this all sounds a little comp complicated, but just stay with me. They run simulations to do a median to say, what would you do if this percentage of people voted and that percentage of people voted and blah, blah, blah. And you don't know how it's, you know, it's sort of like a, a voting AI in a way. And it, and ultimately when those, those simulations have been run, it doesn't really uphold section two and the voting rights act. And, and it doesn't lead to the power of group voting. Robert says that, that that is also, in this decision he said, is completely inapplicable to the case of the Voting Rights Act, which is a race-conscious statute. It is trying to prevent racial discrimination. There is no way to talk about the Voting Rights Act in a race-neutral, quote-unquote, or a race-blind baseline. You know, This is where race gets complicated. You saw in the affirmative action decision where, again, right, the same court, Robert's writing, said you can't use the idea of uh, uh, of a, of a, um, you can't use equal protection clause in the civil rights act to discriminate in favor of a group. Similarly, in this case, so they're not the same case at all. You can't use, right. Uh, the voting rights act itself specifically designed to enfranchise black voters and subsequently other voters of color. You can't use that as a discriminatory measure or as, or make it somehow or strip it of its, of its, of its underpinnings of its teeth. Right. I mean, you have to live up to the promise of the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendment. The 15th Amendment, those are the three amendments in the wake of the Civil War. 13th Amendment is slavery. 14th is the equal protection and um, due process as well. And 15th is essentially was supposed to be voting rights for black men, it should be known. As women did not have the right to vote until the 20th century. Okay, but you, you, you can't live up to the promise of the Civil War amendments and say we don't want there to be any racial discrimination. But you need to be race conscious on a piece of legislation that is specifically designed to combat racial discrimination. Think about that. You can't do that. I mean, the whole point of the Voting Rights Act and the 15th Amendment were to be race conscious. We have to be race conscious if we are to prevent discrimination when it comes to redistricting and voting in this country. Okay? And... Yeah, you know, Thomas's descent is horrible and vicious. Uh, Scalia used to do that's full of footnotes um, and attacking this and attacking that. Um, I, this The horrible thing is when Alabama decided to draw the map, right, where there's seven congressional districts and there'd only be one black one, and this court allows now there to be two, thankfully. I don't think they cared if they were violating any of this jurisprudence or this or section two of the Voting Rights Act. They figured they have five votes in the Supreme Court and that would support their interpretation. And the oral arguments, by the way, which I listened to prior, you heard Elena Kagan and Sotomayor say this is such an easy decision. Um, and there were there were moments where Roberts would say, Well, the lower courts which upheld the idea that the Voting Rights Act applies. Okay, and that you can't discriminate on the basis of race and voting. Robert said, "Hey, the lower courts kind of, kind of did the right thing." All right, and it's in the opinion. And Alabama knew, "Hey, we've got a court now; we can get rid of this." And we don't like what the way this is. We're going to change it. Listen, when people say, "How does the Supreme Court roll things back rather than move things forward?" When a court becomes ideologically driven enough. And this court is, again, more complicated, but there have been some horrific decisions. So let's be clear. Um, people sue. 
they say, oh, we now have a sympathetic audience. So Alabama said, oh, well, we now have a court that's absolutely going to do away with the Voting Rights Act. They did away with a portion of it in 2013, Shelby County versus Holder, which I mentioned, right? So that, you know, the state of Alabama said, wow, we're going to have a sympathetic audience. When they got rid of what was called preclearance, you know, it doesn't apply to the South anymore. You might've been bad in the past. You're not anymore, man. You don't need it. You know, right after they did that, several Southern states just went ahead and passed all these voter ID and restrictive voting laws, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, Congress itself, and then President Reagan updated the Voting Rights Act uh, in 1982. So Alabama failed. Guess what? There are cases pending in Louisiana and Mississippi similarly. Guess what? This is now the law of the land. There will be greater representation for black voters as a result of this decision. I mean, I think it means we're going to see changes in the district maps for state houses and congressional lines in a number of southern states, maybe even some outside the south. And this happens, by the way, now. It happens before the 2024 election. You know, the Republicans have, I think it's a five-seat majority in the House. Well, there's already four seats here. There could be two in Louisiana, two in Alabama. That's four right there. Does not even counting all the districts that are purple that will make Republicans who won in 2020 and 2022 vulnerable this year, next year. So now, because there were lower courts that already had ruled that Alabama was in violation, they were still awaiting the Supreme Court's decision. And now that Section 2 under the Voting Rights Act applies in the way they ruled, they can go ahead and make those decisions. Not going to take a long time. Okay? Now, it's important to note that last year in a 5-4 decision, the Supreme Court let the maps in Alabama and others stand they didn't want to rule too close to the 2022 election. Kavanaugh wrote the majority opinion on that. He did write and join the majority opinion on this. Um, turns out that you really shouldn't change the court felt, the rules of elections with very close to it. So within like four or five or six months, it's called the Purcell Principle. And essentially, uh, the court said, look, we're not going to do anything now on this. We're too close to the congressional elections, and it, we were just not going to tip the scales. Um, frustrating and arguably wrong. I don't know. But they fixed it. Um, and there are now at least greater amount of voting power for black voters, especially in a state where they have larger numbers and have been underrepresented. You know? Um, Kavanaugh, as I said, concurred. He's proved a bit of a surprise vote in a couple of ways. Um, Justice Thomas, I mean, he doesn't even believe the Voting Rights, Act, Voting Rights Act applies to any redistricting. He hasn't thought that since the 1990s. Um, he went into great detail about racial classification and affirmative action, all these things, and he just went on and on. Um, uh, it was puzzling. It was. It seemed, as I said, um, almost unfocused and slashing and ridiculous, but you know, to say the Voting Rights Act doesn't apply to redistricting, it's it's this race-blind thing that doesn't exist. The legislation was not created in a vacuum, folks. It was created at the height of a time when the American uh, people and commensurate with the Constitution said Jim Crow's got to go. It was conceived and born of that. There was a reason it was there. So, again, this may apply to other states as well. We'll see. I mean, it will, but, you know, we'll see what other states have redistricting um, imbalances that need to be corrected. 
as I said, this court in Moore versus Harper, the independent state legislature theory, the student loan decision, this decision, uh, a fabulous decision upholding tribal sovereignty uh, via the Indian Child Welfare Act. We'll talk about that another time. That was also through this court. And yeah, the affirmative action decision, which I think is very consistent with all these rulings. The point being is this is a huge civil rights win uh, for people of color, blacks, and others uh, uh, everywhere, not just in Alabama. And it was done by this court, and that is very, very important to note. Um, so for those who want or need further reading, please read the opinions. And I'm going to end with this, and then this goes for affirmative action. Uh, independent state legislature theory, Indian child welfare, any of them, even, even the Dobbs decision. You guys react, people, okay? I'm not meaning to be a scold. And I know legal opinions aren't easy to read. But if you haven't read the opinion, you're coming at something because you're listening to a take. Whether it's could be my take, could be a take from someone else in the media. It could be because you're watching too much Fox or too much MSNBC or you're reading too much Slate or you're just hanging with progressives who see things one way, okay? Just as bad as MAGA people can't get out of their bubble. I would urge people, and I say this without being didactic or without being condescending or patronizing, read the opinion and make your own decision. And this is what we need in this country, independent thinking and critical thinking. And I know it's a struggle. This is an uphill climb for all of us. But we've got to get to a place where people make decisions based on what they read, not on what they hear or simply what they feel. Yes, politics is emotional, nuanced, complicated. We're emotional creatures. But we do believe in the Constitution. It's the greatest written document for this greatest experiment in self-government the world's ever known, and it matters. If it doesn't matter, then it's not worth the parchment that those words are on. Folks, thank you for joining me. Make sure and catch me on TikTok at Dirty Moderate Nation. And if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't subscribed, do it now. You're, it's everywhere you get your podcast. Big stuff coming up here from us very soon. And in the meantime, here's to a big win for people everywhere, people of color and the American people. The name of justice and uh, civil rights. Uh, okay, folks, stay dirty, stay moderate, and stay safe.